All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I am your host, Aaron Freeman, and today is a mock draft Monday where I will be looking at a mock draft from the draftnetwork.com as well as analyzing your own listener submitted mocks. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day so guys you know me i'm aaron freeman been covering the falcons for many years i'm on twitter at falcons and of course the host of this illustrious locked on falcons podcast your daily atlanta falcons podcast right here on the locked on podcast network your team every day and today's mock draft monday kicking off your week here on locked on falcons and on Mock Draft Mondays, what ends up happening is I go check out a recent mock draft over at the draftnetwork.com, looking at one of their various analysts that do a lot of great work over there, as well as on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Look at their mock draft, break it down, sort of give my assessment of it, talk about how realistic it is. Today, we're going to be talking about a mock draft from someone that we haven't broken down yet. That's Robert Juden over at the draftnetwork.com. But then later on the episode, you guys submitted a bunch of mock drafts to me using the draft networks, mock draft machine. Uh, you guys did a full seven round mock, or most of you did a full seven round mock for the Falcons, which I will break down give you my thoughts on your various picks. We'll talk about prospects. We'll talk about whether guys will slide, fall, rise in the draft, all those sorts of things coming up on today's episode. But without further ado, let's get into that lead story. Focusing on Robert Juden's mock draft. Robert Juden, the director of creative and digital media over at the Draft Network, a.k.a. as he puts it, the guy that puts together all the graphics, did his first mock draft for the website. And rather than just sort of focusing on a predictive mock or filling needs, he based his picks in the first round of this upcoming 2020 draft off of the marketability of each pick, looking from it from a branding perspective for each NFL team. So it's less of a predictive one and more of one that's about putting butts in the seats, about selling jerseys, and just in general finding ways to energize each respective team's most important customers, which of course are their fans. So with the 16th overall selection for the Atlanta Falcons, Robert had them selecting Georgia running back DeAndre Swift, it may not be the most realistic pick, but from a branding perspective, it does make a lot of sense. It checks the boxes of having a local prospect with a already built-in fan base, thanks largely due to the overlap between Georgia fans and Atlanta Falcon fans. You also get to market a two-headed monster in terms of the Falcons' backfield, Swift joining former Georgia Bulldog Todd Gurley at that position this season, potentially. Gurley, of course, just joined the team little more than a week ago after he was unceremoniously cut by the Los Angeles Rams. One of the big knocks against the Gurley signing in the case of the Falcons has been that the move has been largely facilitated by the Falcons public relations department in order to sell more tickets, more so than a move designed to maximize what he can bring on the field. So why not keep the PR department involved in making some of those draft decisions as well? And what better way to sell fans on the return of a physical balance style of offense for this Falcons team than plastering two local studs across billboards all over I-85? Now, maybe that perspective is a little bit too cynical, so you can forgive me for that. But 
I've already discussed a bit on this podcast how I think the Falcons need to find another option at the running back position besides Gurley if they want to do a better job of quote unquote reestablishing the run this upcoming season. No team has run the ball less than the Falcons over the last two seasons combined. The value of the importance of the running game is certainly up for debate. And oftentimes I've cited on the side that has limited that value, but there's no denying that being at the bottom of the league in that category is less than ideal. Leaning on the running game a bit more this season makes a lot of sense given the team is trying to incorporate newer elements into their passing game thanks to losses of longtime contributors like Muhammad Sanu and Austin Hooper over the last several months. And you couple that with a relatively unproven offensive line thanks to having two unproven second-year starters on the right side in Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry. Whether the Falcons are going to target a player like Swift in round one with that 16th overall selection seems pretty unrealistic at this point, given the established presence of Gurley and the fact that the Falcons' historical draft tendencies strongly seem to indicate that they believe that quality runners can be found later in the draft. Yet, a player like Swift, if he's available maybe for that 47th overall selection in round two, seems to make a lot more sense for the Falcons. Certainly from a marketing standpoint, Swift could bring a lot to the table for the Falcons for the aforementioned reasons, but also on the field, I think Swift could bring a shifty, more dynamic presence, a more dynamic dimension to the Falcons offense, given that it's fair to question at this point in his career, whether Todd Gurley possesses that given some of the concerns about the arthritic condition of his knee and eventually likely in 2021, Given the fact that Gurley is playing under a one-year contract in Atlanta this year, Swift could take over as the Falcons' lead tailback. The team would be passing the torch and, of course, in the process, wouldn't have too many disgruntled Georgia fans knowing full well that Swift is the future, a future that the fan base could certainly readily embrace. So hats off to Robert Juden for coming up with a compelling marketing strategy for the Falcons that they might wind up borrowing, whether that's in round one, whether that's in round two, certainly to put more butts in the seats. And who knows, in the end, it could help them win some football games in the process. So there's your Locked On Falcons lead story looking at that mock draft from the Draft Network. Just to give us something a little bit different to talk about than sort of just talking about Kalevon Chason and and C.J. Henderson every single week as it seems to be when we proceeded to start these mock draft Mondays a week or so after the Super Bowl or A.J. Epinesa earlier in February. So we will continue today's mock draft Monday edition of the Locked On Falcons podcast by breaking down your guys' seven round and in some cases four round mock drafts. But before we get there, I do want to let you guys know uh, that you should start your week off right by checking out the Locked On NFL podcast where host Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson are breaking down all the things going around all around the league for all 32 NFL teams. Of course, you could check out the Locked On NFL podcast on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever you're listening to me right now. Uh, again, Locked On NFL podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So we have a series of mocks and rather than sort of trying to lump them all together, I'll go through each one and just talk about the talking points that I think are fair uh, in in terms of, or interesting to me uh, as I relate them to you on today's episode. Our mock drafts come from YOLO at pimp named Slickback2 on Twitter from LAXNED, LAXNED on Twitter. We also have one from Gray Free Falcons on Twitter, Mahaffey Malachi on Twitter. 
Vota Noel 2020 on Twitter and Tyler creates who was on last week's episode. We will be breaking down what those six mock drafts on today. Let's start off with pimp name Slipback two, AKA YOLO on Twitter. He has the Falcons taking South Carolina defensive lineman, Javon Kinlaw in round one, Ohio state running back JK Dobbins in round two, Ohio state corner Damon Arnett in round three, with the first of their fourth round picks, he has Auburn edge rusher Nick Coe. With their second one, he has Alabama edge rusher Anthony Jennings. And with the seventh round pick, he has Florida linebacker David Reese. Uh, Kinlaw is going to be a common theme among several of these mocks that we break down today. So I'll talk about it here and we will kind of skip over it later on. Obviously, I've talked about with the Falcons having Fowler in the fold, they need to get a, another interior pass rush presence. And someone like Kinlaw makes a lot of sense to team with Fowler, Grady Jarrett, and Tack McKinley. I've also mentioned that I think Kinlaw is arguably one of the consensus five best defensive prospects in this draft class. So to land that caliber of player at pick 16, I think would be a coup at that for the Falcons. So can't be mad at it. I still doubt that Kinlaw lasts that long, but it's certainly not impossible for that to happen. Uh, then uh, Mr. Pimp uh, or Mr. Slickback, I'm sorry. Uh, he then went with a running back in round two and Dobbins who, I think some people are liking who some people like as the best running back in this draft class over a guy like Swift. If that proves true, then that would be another coup for the Falcons. I think then you get a cornerback in round three with Arnett, who is a player. I haven't really watched that much of, uh, he's on the watch list. I'll get to him eventually, but, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are projecting him to be somewhere in that day two range. Some people think he might slide into round one, but we'll see. Um, I know I've heard some mention of character concerns, uh, and from what I understand, it's because him and the previous coaching staff under Urban Meyer didn't necessarily see eye to eye. I know Greg Schiano was on that coaching staff, so that probably has something to do with it. I only mention this because of the quirk of this offseason in particular, because you don't have the top 30 visits. You don't have the on-campus workouts and teams are going to have to rely heavily in terms of their character analysis on the background information that scouts typically collect. And also the 15 minute interview that they had at the combine, as well as potential FaceTime meetings that they're going to have with players at this time of year. And, and several players are having those right now with several teams. But you're basically you're not going to necessarily be able to dig as deep with some of these guys on the character stuff as maybe you would be in previous years where you can bring those guys to your building, bring them in for hours, sort of pick their brain, take them out to dinner, all those sorts of things. You can't really do that this offseason because of the coronavirus stuff. So it might cause guys like Arnett that have a few question marks and those question marks become less question marks and become considered to be bigger red flags for NFL teams. And that may push him down the board in a lot of cases. So maybe he does wind up falling to round three, but we'll see how that happens. I should also note that Arnett also fells well shy of the Falcons arm length requirements at the cornerback, but they're early their standards that they've consistently had in the Dan Quinn era. So we'll see if he's really on their radar. I haven't really watched co seems like an oversized edge. Uh, Jennings is a guy that could, you could plug in at Sam linebacker and bring a little bit as a pass rusher as well. Don't really know much about Reese either, but I know Mr. Slickback too is uh, a Florida fan. So I'm guessing he's also a fan of Reese as a late round type of player. Let's move on to LAX Ned's uh, Maki has the Falcons taking LSU cornerback Christian Fulton in round one. He has them taking Notre Dame edge rusher Julian Aquara in round two. Uh, Michigan edge rusher Josh Uche in round three. Uh, Wisconsin center Tyler Biotish in round four. Wisconsin wide receiver Quintez Cephas in round four. And then Michigan State 
defensive lineman Raquan Williams in round seven. Very Big Ten heavy mock here from LAX Nedge. Uh, Fulton in round one, again, I love to see it, but I do wonder about the arm length thing, you know, whether that's legit. I'm not necessarily convinced that the Falcons are going to make an exception to their sort of standards, their little benchmarks when it comes to 31 and a half plus inch arms, basically having above average arm length for the cornerback position and make that exception for Fulton, who's somewhere in like the 30 or 40th percentile or something like that. I also think you factor in the argument that some might make in the case of Fulton, uh, that he's a little bit more scheme dependent than some of the other top corners in this draft, like CJ Henderson, like Jeff Gladney. But again, I would love to see it. I'm a big fan of uh, Christian Fulton acquire round two. I think that's adding another speed rusher to team with this group. And, and some people think, uh, acquire is one of the better pass rushers in this draft class. So can't be mad at that pick. Even if I don't know if edge rusher is as big a need as it was pre Dante Fowler. Then you sort of double dip with that with Josh Uche in round three. Um, I certainly personally would be very disappointed if Uche falls that far in this draft. Cause I think he's worthy of a first round pick, but he would play Sam linebacker here in Atlanta. Clearly it seems that you're kind of out on one of the current Falcon edge rushers, whether that's Tack McKinley or Dante Fowler. I, I kind of know uh, Ned from Twitter and I think it's Fowler that he's down on. But what would be interesting here is because the attack is entering his contract year, I'm curious sort of in next year, how are you planning on deploying in this scenario if you don't resign Tack McKinley, especially after you've uh, gone heavy on edge rushers this offseason? Um, how are you planning on deploying Aquara, Uche, and Fowler on the field at the same time? Because Tack at least has the versatility where you know he can line up inside. I don't know if you necessarily know that with any of these three guys are going to line up inside in your nickel four-man front. Um, so, But maybe you're thinking, you know, trying to get in your head is – if I go for a guy like Fulton and we're going to play a lot of press man coverage, that means we're going to become much more of a blitzing team and we're going to see, send five and six man pressures so we can have Fowler and Okwara off the edge and then also have Uche sort of rushing as well as a blitzer wherever he decides to line up on a given play. Uh, so maybe that's what you're thinking, but I would sort of figure that out before I would go too heavy on the edge rushers. Who's going to play inside beside Grady Jarrett, uh, which I think again, even, even though you drafted this guys, I don't know if Raekwon Williams is going to be that dude for you. Uh, Biotis in round four. When you look at where Briotis was being projected going into this past season, that's a big drop. He was, some people saw him as a sort of a generational center prospect. Some people saw him as worthy as a top 20 pick. And now you have him, you know, outside the top 100. Uh, I was never that high on Biotis based off of the brief glimpses I saw of him going into the season in terms of him being like a generational prospect. But certainly I thought he was a, a very talented player that you would, I would have been completely shocked if you had told me, you know, eight months ago that he was not going to be a top 100 pick. Um, but from what I understand, again, I don't know all the inside information. Apparently there, he did not respond well from having a hip injury last year and had surgery on it and didn't just didn't look like the same player this past year. And I think, you know, it's interesting not to say that these guys are the same, but it's interesting because Falcons have kind of gone after a guy similar to that in the past where from Wisconsin and Peter Kahn's who had a, I can't remember if it was a knee injury or whatever the case may be, but he was limited by an injury his last season and sort of limited his ability in the off season. And then we saw cons not necessarily live up to his draft status in the NFL. So again, I think similar to the same situation with Arnett guys with 
these injury red flags might fall further, might fall further in the draft than I think a lot of people are expecting. And, and we'll see what that means for a player like Biotis who, who might wind up falling further than even round four. If that is the case, Cephas again, another guy I haven't really watched yet. I'll get to him eventually. Raekwon Williams, solid deep, rotational D tackle. I'd be surprised if he lasts around seven. I, I feel like he's going to probably get picked in round four or five, but again, we'll see. Uh, let's move on to Grayson's mock draft at gray free Falcons. He has Iowa defensive lineman, AJ Epinesa in round one, Clemson corner, AJ Terrell in round two, LSU running back Clyde Edwards, Hilaire in round three, Utah defensive lineman Lakey Fotu in round four, and then Utah safety slash corner Javelin Guidry in round four, followed by Rhode Island wide receiver Aaron Parker in round seven. Epinesa has been a guy that's been off Falcon fans radar since his quote unquote poor combine. But honestly, I think in light of the addition of Fowler, he makes a lot more sense for the Falcons to target in round one than he did before that moment. Given that his ability to provide that interior pass rush that we're talking about, that you're kind of looking for with Fowler on board if you're trying to make this current group of four guys make the most sense by getting a guy to line up beside Grady Jarrett on the majority of downs. But the problem with taking Epinesa is he's kind of similar to John Kaminsky and Alan Bailey, and it seems pretty redundant to have three of those players on your team unless you're going to fully embrace being a 3-4 team, uh, which doesn't seem likely for the Falcons. Uh, but I think the case for Epinesa is that he's clearly better than either one of those guys are at this point in their careers. So, you know, if you want, if you like that having that type of player on your roster, which clearly the Falcons do, then Epinesa is a better version of that guy. Terrell would be a solid pickup for the Falcons in round two. Um, I haven't really studied him as much as the other corners, but he, uh, part of that is he hasn't he doesn't meet the length requirements that the Falcons look at the cornerback position, but he kind of barely misses the march by like a quarter of an inch or something like that. Edwards Hilaire, good running back. Don't really have much to say about that. He would be a great pickup. Uh, Fotu is a, I haven't studied him extensively, but just sort of watching him live on television. Like, you know, he seems like a, a solid two down run stuffer in the middle, but seems kind of redundant after you've already resigned Tyler Davis into a three year deal. So don't feel like both of those guys are going to blossom in your scheme. But I think Fotu has probably a little bit more potential to be a more dominant run defender than, than maybe Davis does in the long term. Uh, Gidry is fast. He's a track guy. Ran a four two nine at the combine. I haven't really watched him, but from what I've read and heard about him, he's kind of a raw slot corner that has questionable instincts and awareness. He did play some offense in high school. However, so I kind of think you look at him as a special teams guy, a guy that can come in and be a gunner on punt team, can potentially be in the mix as a returner if those offensive skills are, you know, you can bring something out of that because of his speed. Um, but I don't know if you're drafting him, expecting him to do much on defense. Then you have Parker as one of the late round receivers that I do happen to like. I only really watch one game of his. You know, he seemed like a decent all around uh, wide receiver uh, that didn't necessarily stand out in a major way. Uh, but I think certainly a guy that can be a competent, productive player at the next level. But I'm not sure if he's going to really stand out in a major way amongst the wide receiver core that the Falcons already assemble, other than maybe offering a little bit more size than some of the guys that they currently have in, in terms of Zacchaeus and Blake and Gage and those guys on the on the back end. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't be upset with that. It's a seven-round pick. So uh, we got more mock drafts to come on today's episode. But of course, you know, we're talking mock drafts. You guys should check out uh, the draft uh, where you guys can submit your own mocks. Uh, 
But again, that's all at the draftnetwork.com. And you definitely guys want to check out the premium version of the website where you can now have mock drafts with trades. So uh, let's move on to the next mock draft, which comes from Mahaffey Malachi on Twitter at Malachi or AKA Malachi. Here's he basically writes, here's one for you to use on next Monday's podcast. I know you're a big Uche guy. I'm a big Proche guy. Yes, I am a big Uche guy. Uh, we'll get to Uche in a second. Malachi has the Falcons taking Kinlaw in round one, Alabama corner, Trevon Diggs in round two, uh, Uche in round three. Uh, Joe Bashi, the Michigan state linebacker in round four, J.R. Reed, the Georgia safety in round four, and then SMU wide receiver, James Prochet in round seven. Uh, let's talk about Diggs. I think that's an interesting pick. We'll see if the projections that he's going to go there happen. You know, it's interesting because at the end of the season, it seemed like everybody that I was listening to talk about Diggs were talking about him as a top 20 pick. And then all of a sudden he became a, a day two prospect pretty much pretty consistently since February. And now I've heard people talk about rumors about maturity issues. I haven't been able to really find anything on that, but I've also heard people talk about him not getting a ringing endorsement from his coaching staff, which from what I've, all I can discover on that is basically Nick Saban was pissed off at Diggs and, and another Alabama player, Terrell Lewis, because they skipped the bowl game. But then again, from what I understand, Saban was pissed at those guys because he believed that their decision to skip the bowl game was based off of bad information about mock drafts that suggested that they were going to be first round picks, which they were not going to be. So again, maybe it, that's just further proof that NFL teams don't value digs in as a first round pick as much as the media maybe had done at the end of the season. So we'll see. For me, my personal assessment of Diggs, I don't see why he wouldn't be a first-round pick. I think he has the talent to be in the same conversation or just like a half a tier below guys like Henderson and Fulton. Um, I wonder if the Alabama connection that he has will help him in Atlanta, similar to what we saw with Calvin Ridley and Steve Sarkeesian back in 2018. Maybe that works for him and Tosh Lupoy in 2020. Who knows? Uh, but I think Diggs certainly checks the length boxes. He's, you know, he's got the best frame, longest arms of any, really any top corner in this draft class. Um, and I think fits naturally in sort of the zone heavy cover three type of defense that the Falcons like to play, given what style of defense that they played at Alabama. Yeah, I like the Uche pick. Joe Bocci, I haven't really watched him, but I understand he's sort of one of those hard-nosed guys that tested a lot better at the Combine than I think people thought he was. People thought he was like, oh, this is a guy that's a overachiever, limited athlete type of player. At least that's what I heard people when people talked about him. That's how they described him. But then he tested pretty well, so certainly a, a guy that could be in the mix. I haven't really watched J.R. Reed. Uh, I like Prochet a lot as a slot guy, so I'm a big fan of that. He's a guy that also has return skills. Prochet is another one of those wide receivers that I've talked about before, where I think in a normal draft, he'd probably be a third or fourth round pick, but I think it's going to fall in, into day three of this draft class and may even fall all the way to round seven uh, because of the depth of this draft class. But I think more than likely he'll probably get picked in round five or so. Um, let's move on to Vota Newell's 2020 at Noel Rodriguez's mock. He has Fulton in round one. He has Oklahoma linebacker Kenneth Murray in round two. Florida State running back Cam Akers in round three. Charlotte edge rusher Alex Highsmith in round four. And Georgia offensive guard Solomon Kinley in round four as well. He did not have a seventh round pick. So I'm assuming Noel just uh, simulated the first four rounds of the mock. Uh, let's talk about Kenneth Murray. I think that would be an interesting pick we'll see if he falls around two. i don't 
see that happening, but we'll, you never know. You know, teams don't put a high premium on linebacker position, but I think there's enough linebacker needy teams picking at the back of round one that I'd be, would be surprised if, if Murray lasts around two. Just as an aside, you know, love everything the Draft Network does, but I think their projections on some of these linebackers is kind of bit, if I'm looking at all the projections, I think it's kind of probably off base the most in terms of where guys will get drafted. I think they have a lot of guys that aren't even on their, you know, like in the top 300 in terms of their predictive mock that I think are going to probably be like fourth and fifth round picks. So that's just an aside that I've noticed when I've done my own mock draft simulations there. I think really their projections of where linebackers are going to get picked uh, is kind of off the base. I think pretty consistently everybody that they're projecting is probably going to get drafted around earlier than a lot of their projections. But that's just my own personal opinion. I don't have any particular deep insight, but that's just my best guess. Akers, another solid running back pickup in round three. That seems to be about the consensus where I think a lot of people are expecting him to get drafted because I think a lot of people have him on the outside looking in among the top, you know, four or so running backs in this draft class. But we'll see if there's a run on running backs. He could certainly go higher than that. Uh, Alex Highsmith is, I think, one of the more underrated pass rushers in this draft class, a very explosive player on film. Uh, look very good against Clemson, despite coming from a small school. I think definitely has some upside as a as a developmental guy. And in terms of whether or not I would love to see the Falcons, he's a high pick on an edge rusher or to snag more of a developmental guy like Highsmith in round three or round four. I kind of lean towards the latter. I feel like use those premium picks, those first, second round picks on other positions of need where you can get potentially a higher impact player. Because again, I think this draft class is kind of weak. And so my eye has always been on sort of the Bradley and Nyes and the Alex Highsmiths and, you know, the Jabari Zanigas that I think are going to go in rounds three and four, uh, somewhere around then. That to me is the sweet spot for the Falcons to take a, a pass rusher, uh, particularly now that they got Fowler and, and now you can afford to take more of a developmental option there. Um, but, you know, if you guys want to find out more information on, Alex Highsmith, you guys should check out the interview I had of him on Falcon Central Radio last week. Uh, you can check that out on YouTube at Pro Football Central's YouTube page, or you can go to ProFootballCentral.com to check that out. I don't often plug the other Falcons podcast that I do on here on Lockdown Falcons, but it's certainly applicable when it comes to Alex Highsmith, as well as Cincinnati tight end Josiah DeGuara. Um, Kinley is a guy I haven't really watched, so can't really comment too much on him. Last mock we have is from... Tyler creates at the number one stana. I'm sorry. <laughs> Why did I say it like that? Um, uh, he has a four round mock here. He has Ken Law in round one, AJ Terrell in round two, Eno Benjamin, the running back from Arizona state in round three, Nick Coe in round four, and then Miami linebacker Shaq Quarterman in round four as well. We've already talked about Ken Law and Terrell. You know, I'm, I'm more expecting Eno Benjamin to go in round four than round three, but that would seem to be, Right up on the Falcons' radar, given that I think some people thought that they took guys like Edo Smith and Quadri Olison a little bit earlier than where they were, the consensus was projecting in the last two drafts. So maybe they tend to be a little bit higher on certain running backs than others. And certainly, if we get a run on running backs earlier, you can argue that after you get after the top five or six guys, Eno Benjamin is certainly at the top of the list. So uh, if those top five or six guys go in, in, in the first, you know, 75 picks, um, then it makes sense if the Falcons look at their need at running back position and they say, look, Eno's the best of the rest, which the consensus seems to suggest that is the case. Uh, so why not t- snag him in round three? Uh, as for Quarterman, he's a linebacker. 
that I like based off of what little I've seen of him. I don't know if he necessarily checks the Falcons boxes in terms of the athleticism that they typically like at the linebacker position. But then you could also argue that that hasn't necessarily paid off for the Falcons in in the major ways other than the Deion Jones pick. Um, So maybe they should switch things up in terms of not just looking for athletes at the linebacker position and looking for guys that bring a lot of toughness to the table, like uh, Quarterman is reputed to do. So, We'll see. Um, But there you guys have it. There is your Mock Draft Monday wrapping up these six mock drafts. I think next week before Mock Draft Monday, we'll focus on mock drafts that include trades. So if you haven't already signed up for the Draft Network Premium where you can do trades, then you should do so. Uh, There are other mock draft simulators out there that also do trades and you don't have to necessarily pay for. I'm not going to plug them here because of corporate synergy. But, uh, you know, the the Draft Network is, their premium is a really good value, guys. Um, You know, it's not free, but you pay $10 for a month. So if you just want to pay for one month so that you can do 6,000 mock draft simulations with trades between now and the draft when we're doing these mock draft Mondays, you know, is $10 worth it to you? To some of you, I'm sure it is. To others, maybe not. But, uh, you know, I think for a lot of you out there, particularly you, you mock draft uh, maniacs, uh, $10 is definitely worth it for you guys. And then if you just want to get the the full package, uh, you get $30. You just pay $30 for the year, which is like 75% off when you extrapolate the $10 per month sort of payment plan. So that's a huge value there. Who can, you know, anytime you see a 75% off tag, that's an automatic buy. Am I right? Like, I don't know how you guys operate, but that's how I operate. So that's what I would pay for. Um, but in addition to the sort of mock drafts with trades, you also get access to other features. Uh, you get like their premium slack. Um, you get various like draft guides as well that aren't necessarily available to the public. That is essentially also what you're paying for instead of just doing mock drafts. So d- certainly even if you're not the mock, if you're the person type of person that's out here listening to this and you're like, I don't really care about mock draft simulators or any, any of that stuff, Aaron, but I do think the draft network does offer a lot of good, great value. In addition to all the free content, you get uh, an ad free website, all, all these other types of features. So definitely check out the premium version of the draft network. And if you guys submit some, you know, I'm not suggesting that you have to go out there and pay it, but if you submit some mock drafts via with trades, we can break those down and we can have some fun with that on next week's mock draft Monday. So there you guys have it. If you have any other Things that you want to submit, you know, and I'm sure some of you are like, where do I submit these mock drafts, Aaron? Well, of course, you can submit them to me on the various platforms, particularly social media. Uh, Take a screenshot of your mock draft as so many people did on Twitter. Send it over to Lockdown Falcons at Twitter. Of course, you can send it over to Facebook at Lockdown Falcons. Now that I'm saying that, I realize that someone submitted a, a mock draft on Facebook that I forgot about. My bad to that person. We will talk about it later this week. We will make a special case for you later this week. I, I forgot. I completely blanked on that. Now that I'm sitting here wrapping up this episode, but you can also submit them via email at lockdownfalcons at mail.com. So my bad to that person. We will, I will break. I don't know. I'll, I'll do something. Maybe I'll just tell you my thoughts directly via Facebook. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Look, I might need five minutes of content on a future episode. So I, I won't make any promises here that I won't do it on a podcast in the future weeks, but um, don't know what exactly is planned tomorrow. We'll probably just do like a Twitter Tuesday where you guys can submit Twitter 
questions or whatever. And we'll talk about that. You know, any sort of mailbag questions that weren't related to mock drafts, we'll probably break down on tomorrow's episode. And then hopefully Wednesday, we will have a great guest uh, to talk Falcons and maybe other stuff. So that should be the plan for the next couple of days on the podcast. So hope you guys uh, have a great week. Stay safe out there until then. You are locked on Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.